But there are many things that I, I had no clue about. And it's just God beginning to unveil things to me and to help me. But what that does for you is once God opens your eyes, behind that opening of eyes comes confidence in him and a greater love for God. A greater appreciation of what Jesus is to us. Once your eyes are open, you just want to worship. You just want to be thankful. But until your eyes are open, you don't fully understand the magnitude of what Jesus came into our world to do for us. It's an incredible work. And we're just scratching the surface at this point. There's so much he's done for us. God is such a good God. Such a good God. Please give me Deuteronomy 30 and I want verse 19. So that we understand that it's really a choice as to what you want. God's laying everything down before every one of us. And he's asking you, he's saying it's your choice. You choose. It says that he called. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. Because I'm going to set something before you and I want you to make a choice. I want you to choose. It says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you all of mankind. I have set before you life and death. You know better. It's life or death. Blessing or cursing. You choose. You know what's good for you. You know what's best for you. He said both of them before us. Blessing and cursing. Therefore, God says, I'm going to cancel you. Choose life. It's better for you. Choose blessing rather than cursing. It's better for you. That both you and your descendants may live. It's not just for you, but for your descendants also. Make that right choice to follow hard after God. There's so much God's done for us. Choose to follow him. Give your life totally to him. Even this morning, I was telling the Lord, I want to serve you all the way till the end. And I'm not satisfied as to where I am today. I want to serve you, oh God. That was my prayer this morning. I'm telling you the truth. Early this morning, I was here by myself. But that's what I was telling the Lord. Help me. I want to serve you. It's not like I'm not serving him. But I want to serve him. It's important. I want to see him. There is a God. And if you don't make the right decision to follow God and to serve him, one day you are going to look right into his eyes. Face to face. And you have to explain why you rejected his love and rejected his son. Jesus said, I honor my father, but you dishonor me. I don't want to dishonor him. And the best way to honor God is to accept him. Yes, every, and be thankful for everything he's done for you. And be serious about it. No games. No playing of games. Serving God truly from your heart so that he will bless you. God says, I have this available for you. You choose what you want. I'll give it to you. 
If you choose blessings, I will not only bless you, but your descendants will be blessed. Don't live. It's not like they are alive. No, they will be living. No, they will be living the abundant life. That's what he's saying. Everyone is living. Even those that haven't chosen God, they're still living. But that's not what God's talking about. This is true living when we give everything to him. So God's placed it before us. I'm going to serve God. When I left my country to come to the United States, they were very concerned. They thought, in Africa, we don't have too much. <laughs> uh, you have to go there. I think one of my friends came from Nigeria one time. He said, I kissed the earth of the United States. <laughs> I told him, but I grew up there. <laughs> it's a lot going on in the world. God bless you. So they were not sure how I was going to respond to all the good land, the United States. They were afraid that he'll slide away from God. But my heart was made up. I'm going to serve God regardless. I'm going to follow after God. Doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to serve God. My pastor even told me, I was afraid that you were going to slide. He confessed that later. I wasn't sure of myself. I was really shaking inside because I knew what they were thinking. I knew what they were thinking. They were thinking. So that drove me to pray more. God, whatever monkey makes them backslide in the United States, I don't want it. Let that monkey not jump on my back. Oh, yes. And it was serious for me. But you see, God is not just honored. Let me show you something. This is not me. But God's not only honored that, but now he's made me a pastor in the United States. You figure that out. That's what God can do. When you honor God, he honors you. And I feel very privileged. It's a blessing that God, in his divine wisdom, will allow me to be able to handle his word. There's nothing as big as that. This is the greatest honor that God can give somebody, and I'm very grateful to him. But God has said before you, blessing and cursing. And he says, choose life. Because in his blessing, that's life. Not death. God wants us blessed. And this is what he tells us in Deuteronomy. Please go. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. It tells us this. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Why? Why will God give you power to get wealth? We're talking about supernatural provision. I'm talking about supernatural provision. And I talked about transfer of wealth because God says he will store up the wealth of the sinners for the just or the righteous. That's what God said. That's his desire for his children. There's no child, there is no father that doesn't want the best for his children. Will all the children do well? Possibly not. But every father wants the best for their child. That's the truth. If you then, being evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father. So God's desire for you, when you serve him, is to bless you. 
If you serve him faithfully, and according to the scriptures, not according to your own reasoning, what, what the scripture says. So he says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he, that's God himself, who gives you the power to get wealth. Why? That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this very day. So God's speaking, you to, to, speaking to you today because he wants to establish the covenant. What are we talking about? God knows that supernatural provision is needed for the spread of the gospel. Supernatural provision is to make sure that the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed everywhere in the world. He takes money to do that. So when we're talking about financial transfer, that's not just for you to keep. So you say, I'm rich. That's not what God... And we're coming to this. There's a lot I want to share about this. So we gain understanding. It's not for you to keep and say, well, I'm rich. No, it's for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's for you to have, so you to take care of your needs, but also first to take care of God's kingdom, to make sure that the gospel is spread all around the world. I want to go to Nigeria. I want to preach. I know they, they will tell me, those preachers tell me, but if you want to do this, it's going to cost 10000 Sometimes they say $20,000. Well, where am I going to get the $20,000 just from my family? But if all of us pull together, we can do it. And if we do it, I guarantee you souls will be saved. And because you've put your money in, guess you want some returns, right? So you'll be praying for me as well. <laughs> you don't want to give 20000 and nobody got saved, right? Uh, you want, so that forces you to pray. That money's got to give me some fruit, right? That's what this is all about. It's for the establishment of his covenant with you. So basically, God wants you to have, so he can take from what you have, to establish this strong covenant relationship that you have with him. That's what the scripture says. So, if you are going to position yourself for transfer, this is what you need. First, you need to know what God says about this matter. Knowledge is required. Secondly, you need to believe what you're reading in the scriptures about what God says. Because God has his way. It's called the way of the Lord. And I've got to first know the way of the Lord. And if, then you make your choice. If you want to follow the way of the Lord, or you're going to lean on your own understanding. You choose. That's life and death. You choose the way of the Lord or your way. His understanding or your understanding. Which one are you going to lean on? That's the issue here. So you have to believe what he's telling you. Even though what he's telling you sometimes doesn't make sense in the natural how can you give to get more? Well, I just gave it away. I can't get more. Who is going to bring it back to me? Who will bring it? You're going to be looking from your window. Who is coming to bring back this stuff to you? This is all a mystery. But we don't fully understand it. We just do it by faith. And God will keep his own end of it. So we got to believe what the word says. And so you know what the word says, but then also you need to believe. Just knowing is not good enough. And second, the thirdly, you need to be willing. I said, God's not going to do anything for you that you don't want. That's just the truth. 
the gospel is preached to get you to be willing. That's all. You won't ask Jesus into your life until somebody preaches to you and you see their life and you see what God's doing and all of that preaching and all of that is to get you to the place where, hey, I want that too, right? Tell, I want Jesus. And some people are crying. They want Jesus right now. They want that for them. I don't want to go to hell. He gives you an incentive. He's to make you willing. And that's the same principle in every area. God will not heal you unless you want to be healed. Now let me tell you this. Jesus didn't go to a hospital. Unbelievers will tell you, if you think you have power to heal, why don't you go to the hospital and just let the doctors go poor? Heal all of them. Well, Jesus never went to hospitals. For the most part, he healed only those who came to him. Or those that they invited him to come, heal. He, he'll walk by them. Unless you cry for healing, he'll walk right by you. Healing was walk, just walked by you. You said nothing. He walked away. Until you cry. The same principle holds in every area of life when it comes to Christianity. God will not bother you unless you're willing. And sometimes you are not willing until you know the truth. Once you know the truth, then you're willing. So when you believe, you're willing. And then the next thing is you must speak. We're coming to that. And we're going to go into details on this. This is a long one. But uh, you must speak only and think only what you believe. Even if it contradicts your life. You, even if it contradicts what's happening to you. My good, the thing that's for me that's great, I'm grateful to God for is this. When God's showing me something, usually I want to well, show me and prove it to me. I got to see the result. And when it, these days I'm hearing from all corners how God is beginning to just, we just started this message and God's blessing already. I keep hearing what God's doing from different individuals. This week I've heard from several individuals of what God's doing. And that tells me, gives me confidence. I'm searching. <laughs> it's God's honor and glory to conceal things. And it's my glory to find out what he's concealing. That's what the scripture says. I have to search to find out. He who seeks, finds. If you knock, the door will be opened. If you refuse to knock or you refuse to seek, you won't find. God won't bother with you because you're not seeking. He loves you, but you don't want it. So that's the principle here. We have to be willing. And you have to speak only what God says. This book of the law must not depart from your mouth. You must meditate day and night. What book of the law? What it says. What the word says. That's what should be coming out of your mouth. And that's what you should be thinking. Because God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask or what? Even think. So your thoughts are very important. What comes out of your mouth is very important. And God said, you will be judged by every idle word that came out of your mouth. You thought that word was idle. God said, no, you're going to answer for it. No, your words are important. And we're going to be talking about that with relation to this, in relation to this transfer of, God, of wealth to the believer so God can use you to meet his work. So we'll talk about that. And then we will also talk about the value of timing. What the timing, because sometimes we want God to do it. It's like, God, you better do I'm in a hurry now. I'm telling you, you better do it for me. If you don't do it, I'm going to the next uh, restaurant. 
it's give me, give me right now. Well, God has a time. There is a time for everything. For everything under the sun, there is a season. But don't be weary in well-doing because in due time, you reap. That's the way we need to go. But today, I'm going into knowledge. The first knowledge that you, that's number one. That's knowledge. The first thing that you need to know is that the curse has been broken. The only thing that was hindering us from being successful, and you can define success in your own life. I'm telling you, for most Africans, all of you are rich. <laughs> That's the truth. If you are 21 and you are able to drive, uh, that's rich. To have your own car. Some of them don't have. They don't even think about building their own house. Uh, That's the way it is. But the Bible says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Galatians 3, verse 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed, in other words, he separated us from the curse of the law. Because it is written in God's word, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, and Jesus hung on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. How many Gentiles do we have here? If you are a Gentile, and you, it says, the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ. In Christ. Everything in Christ. So the blessing of Abraham is upon the Gentile if you are in Christ. You agree with me on that? So if you are in Christ, say with me, the blessing of Abraham is upon me in Christ. Let's say it again. The blessing of Abraham is upon me in Christ. I'm in Christ. God cannot lie. If I'm in Christ, then the blessing of Abraham must have come upon me. Because the curse is what's been holding us back. The curse is no longer there. I am my worst enemy. Because of the way I think. Be be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your life is only transformed when you renew your mind according to the Word of God. Not according to what everybody else is saying. It's only according to God's Word. Because God's not obligated to fulfill what anyone else thinks. But what He thinks and what He says in His Word. That's His only obligation. He watches over His Word to confirm it. That's God Almighty. That's what he wants to do. The cause doesn't exist anymore because you are in Christ. What you have upon your life is the blessing of Abraham. And until you accept it, willingly, you will not experience it. Because it's by faith. Your body will not feel like the blessing of Abraham is upon you. But that's what God said. So the blessing of Abraham will come upon us Gentiles And that we might receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. That's the way we need to do it. That's the way we need to do it. So we need to understand that. The blessing of Abraham. Let me show you what scripture says about when God blesses a man. What happens when God God has a blessing upon a man? And that's a good question. 
Okay? Proverbs chapter 10 verse 22 tells you what happens when you are blessed of God. We will see the result of it. This is what it says. The blessing of the Lord makes one what? That's not according to good luck. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and what? He adds, that's, who is doing the blessing? God. He adds no sorrow to it. No vexation of spirit as you enjoy God's blessings upon your life. No vexation. No fear he's going to get away from me so you harden it to yourself. No, because it was God that gave it to you. If he takes it for, from you for whatever reason, he'll replace it. There's no fear because you know where it came from. You don't care about what, it, what you have. You care more about the source of it. You are holding on to the source. And so you got it. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and doesn't add sorrow to it. In other words, he's saying when God's truly blessing you, by and by, <laughs> you'll be rich. Now, when we talk about riches, what people always think about money. But I guarantee you there are a lot of very rich people that are hurting. They are not prospering. They can't stay with their wives. They are constantly fighting. Right? They don't even know what they want. And I can guarantee you if you are a Christian person living a peaceful life and God's meeting all of your needs, they want to have your life. Because their life's crazy. They can't sleep. Their phone rings. They are afraid. That's not blessing. That's not blessing. There's no peace there. So we're talking about prosperity, God blessing you in every single area of life. Your marriage is blessed. Your children are blessed. They have money, but they can't control their kids. Their kids are in drugs. They lose their kids. They die young. That's not blessing. They're sad. If they will talk to you, they'll tell you, life's not been good to me. But he has millions in the bank. That's not what we're talking about. We are talking about the blessings of God that makes you rich in every area. You can have, uh, maybe you have all the money, but you can't eat. That's not blessing. But what if you can eat, but you can't even go to McDonald's and pay for it? That's not blessing. It works both ways. You need to be able to pay your bills. Don't tell me you'll come back to church shouting glory to God when they just possessed your car before you came to church. You won't be praising God very much. You will be praising God. It's just life. But the Lord God said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And it be it unto you according to your fame. When I realize there's something that's coming at me, I know I need God to help me. And I start talking to God, this is what I need. Could you, could you, can you help me? I need my head above. And initially, it's like, this is, this, is, this is big. But after a while, as you pray, God lets you know, I'm going to take care of it. And then you have your peace. And he does. God does. So know that God wants to bless you. It make, let me read this 
to you from uh, Amplified Version. It says, the blessing of the Lord, it makes truly rich. It. Now, we're told the word it there, that's in the Hebrew when it was written. For emphasis. New King James just says the blessings of the Lord makes one rich. No, but in the original manuscript in the Hebrew, it actually said the blessing of the Lord, and then stop, it, to, for emphasis, it makes one rich. Truly rich. Because you can be rich and not be truly rich. That's what he's talking about. Truly rich and he adds no sorrow with it, neither does toiling increase it. So we know it's not by labor. Hello? Because sweat doesn't always equal wealth. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain. So when you follow God's principles, which we are coming to as we continue with this message, when you follow God's principles diligently, watch what God will do with you. The problem is people are not diligent. That's the problem. Notice, and for time I will stop, but notice God said in his word, Proverbs 10, 22, he says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he has no sorrow with it. But then when you go to Proverbs chapter 10, please give me Proverbs 10 verse 4, the same chapter, I mean we're talking about the same chapter where God says it's the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich, he tells us this, he who has a slack hand becomes poor. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. So is it the blessing of the Lord that makes rich or the hand of the diligent? Which one is it? Good question. Which one is it? It's the same chapter. Verse 22 tells you it's the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich. And then verse 4, he's telling you the diligent hand is what makes you rich. So which one is it? The truth is, though they are not contradictory. They are together. A lot of people, we're going to be coming to this, the question of giving and receiving. Giving. Diligent hand when it concerns putting it out. People are not diligent. Why? Because they don't know the word and they're afraid. If I give it out, how am I sure it's going to come back? Where do I get guarantee about it? It's going to come back to me. So they play games with God. <laughs> with their giving. And hurt themselves. Because they are not diligent. Off and on. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. When you go down, sometimes you give when you feel like it. And other times, you're not diligent. You don't understand it. We're coming to that. There is diligence in this as well. And it's got to go through your hands. Notice he says in the Amplified, not toiling. Hello? It's not toiling. When God blesses, it's not toiling. It's being diligent with what God tells you to do concerning giving to the work of the Lord. Remember what he says. What I told you before is for the spread of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You're diligent in that. Watch what God will do. Not going to make everyone a millionaire, but your needs will be met. Amen? I got to close because of time. But we're coming to this. We have a lot to share here. But I do firmly believe that the Lord prompted me to speak on this subject. And I pray that line upon line, precept upon precept, as you learn this and then have a willing heart to do this, God will bless you and bless this church so that when we want to do anything, we don't have to concern ourselves with it. I'm believing for promotions. I'm believing for inspired ideas. I'm going to close with this. I told this story in Sunday school just to inspire you on this. But a friend, uh, well, I won't call him a friend, but it's an acquaintance, somebody I know, a, a minister. He's been in our church. Every time he comes to our church to preach, uh, we were probably about 70, uh, 80 people at the most at that time, maybe less than that. He preaches for three days and lives with $4,000 uh, offering. And I'm wondering, where's the money coming from? And then three weeks later, he's back. He preaches. He preached again for about three days. And we gave him about $4,000 again. And I'm thinking, we have a small congregation. That's $8,000 just went to this one guy. But he, was, he preaches on giving, especially tithing and other giving. And he said he was in a church preaching. That's how I met him in Georgia while I was an evangelist. He was in a church preaching. And, and he'll tell you, he says, you pay your tithe from the gross. From the gross? Really? <laughs> I thought <laughs> you, you pay from the net. You know, Uncle Sam takes his and whatever is left. He said, no. Why don't you tell Uncle Sam that you want to pay, pay, pay your tithe first before you pay <laughs> your, your taxes? Uncle Sam will come after you. Okay, IRS will come after you. It's not going to work that way. And this lady heard him, and she, had, she was retired, had nothing. And she was barely making it. And she stopped paying her tithes and everything. And the more he spoke on this, the angrier she got. And when the meeting, usually uh, Larry Hutton will always ask for three days meeting. And at the end of it, she cornered him. And said, you keep preaching all these things. I can't do it, preacher. I cannot do what you're asking me to do. I just can't do it. Look, I'm retired. All I get is this social security check. And I've calculated everything. I'm diligent. School teacher, I'm diligent. I've calculated everything. I cannot afford it. If I give that 10, something is not going to get paid. And I'm telling you, I can't do it. He said, hey, hey, lady, I'm just a messenger, okay? <laughs> you do what you want with your pastor. I'm, I'm a visitor. I'm just a messenger. Just mind, do whatever you want. But he was, didn't go well. And he traveled around. He hasn't been here for over seven years. He traveled around and went back to the church again and preached. And after he preached, uh, he noticed the lady uh, while he was preaching in the congregation. I'm sure he wasn't looking in that direction. It looked somewhere because they had a very big fight <laughs> about this. So after he preached and the pastor taking his offering and everything, he was standing there waiting for pastor probably to give him his check and stuff like that. And the lady was walking towards him. And he turned around and so I said, oh no. This is not going to be good. I've been preaching exactly the same thing. And she walked up to him and said, uh, What's happening? How is your ministry going? 
he says uh, in his mind, yeah, ministry is doing very well. Well, let, let's just get back to what you want to really talk about, lady. In his mind, let's go what you, where you're going. Because we're going to fight right now. He's going to go back to the same thing. And he was thinking, and she said, he said, well, ministry is doing well. I've been here and all of that. And uh, she said, really? Your ministry is doing well? She said, yeah. I said, how are you doing? Well, I'm fine. And she says, well, now, I'm going to give, I'm going to support your ministry. <laughs> and he said, oh, yeah? <laughs> Basically, from social security check, oh yeah, and she said, she said, yeah, I'm gonna support your ministry. And then he said, she mentioned an ungodly amount. That's the way he put it, an ungodly amount. I'm gonna support your ministry and make tens of thousands of dollars. And he went, oh yeah, and she said, you don't believe me, you know, you don't believe me, you don't believe me, you don't believe me. He said, well, lady, he was trying to. <laughs> He lied. I don't know what he did. But he was trying to get away from it. Well, you said, you know, I said, I know you don't believe me. And she said, you are standing before a multi-millionaire. And he said, oh, yeah? <laughs> How did this happen? She said, after you left, I, I, I went back, talked to God, and I repented. And I started giving as usual. And God was meeting my need. And one day I was driving home or something. And she said, by a a railroad track, and the, ra- the train was going by, and she sat there thinking, just waiting for, and some, an idea just hit her mind. And she thought, how come no one thought about this? How come? What's this? And so she went and gathered some people, talked to them, and they said, wow, that's a great idea. Call some company, call some people together, started a factory. She signed her own person, what's coming to her, and she stayed at home. And money came to visit with her. Every month, some amount of money comes to visit with her. Isn't that good? Wonderful. But are you willing to pay the price? Not that God's going to make every one of us a millionaire. But it depends on how how far you want to go. Remember what the scripture says. Deep calls out to deep. There is nothing precious... That's on the surface. Right? If you want gold, guess what? You got to dig. You want black gold, petroleum? Guess what you got to do? You got to drill. Nothing is on the surface. Deep calls out to deep. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you going to be diligent? That's the question. Do you trust God enough to be diligent? It may not happen overnight, but if you stay there with God and say, God, I trust you, God. I know you cannot lie. Your season will come. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Much to speak. I pray going into your heart, especially for our young people. Please prepare yourself right now because as you do that, God will take that and you can start like Samuel from an early age, like David at an early age and become so great in the land so that what God's doing through you is known and spread all over the world. The first thing that we want to do is to commit our lives to God totally. I've spoken to you today a few words. But maybe you know that you haven't really committed everything in your life in this area to God. God, I haven't been faithful. 
because I've been afraid. If that's you today, why don't you, all eyes closed, all heads down, bowed, please. Why don't you raise your hand before God and acknowledge and say, God, you changed me. I'm going to change everything. Let me see your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's being sincere with God. The Lord is my shepherd. He is that good shepherd. I shall not want. Every need is going to be met. That's God is a good God. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word is the truth. And we believe it with all of our heart. Lord God, help us to be obedient, to do according to your word. We know that will be pleasing to you and you'll bless us in return. We thank you, Lord. Blessed is your name, O God. I thank you for your people and for this time, O God. Your word tells us the entrance into your word gives light. And that's the light of life. So that we can see our way through this thick darkness that's in the world. And have life according to your word. I ask, O God, for your blessing upon your people today. Lord, that these words, Lord, that you have spoken from your word will be in their heart heart and in their mouth. That without fear they will proclaim that they are the children of the living God, heirs to the kingdom of the living God, to the promise of God. I thank you, God, because you're here with us and you're hearing our prayers and you've promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. Go with every single family here today by the power of your grace. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen.